everyone, welcome back to the Earthon Survival Guide, the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and the questers are uh, of that are Dan and Josh. I am Dan. With me is Josh. Hi, everybody. 102 episodes. Dan still can't get it completely smooth. Nope. Smooth is not my middle name. Rough and tumbly. We're going to go with that. But on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things pariahical, because we're going to talk about the path of the outcast, not the dragon outcast. We're done with dragons. We're not talking about the dragon outcast. We're talking about the mystic path of the outcast, formerly known as the outcast warrior. So <laughs> Dan made that specific call out because we were discussing earlier that we were going to be recording Vast and Jass and the outcast. And I'm like, so we're doing two dragons tonight? And I'm like, oh, no, wait. The path, the outcast. Last of the dragons. Names are hard. now last of the paths, because this actually ought to fill out the rest of the Mystic Paths book. And this is the last path we have to discover. Talk about. Yes. Saved this one for last, not because it's the best, but because it's the weirdest it's it's the most different and i it's different saying pariahical i could have said the air caracul because that is the name of the banished troll in troll which is air air caracul yes air caracul gonna take me a minute yes anyway but don't call someone a kava because that is an insult to that outcast person anyway the interesting thing about the outcast path now that's been developed from the original first edition, because this goes all the way back to first edition, right? This yes. used to be a 10 circle discipline. And now it's just a, I think like rank five. I'm looking at it right here. Uh, rank five. Yeah. Path. It's a, it's a rank five path. So the outcast warrior was originally the troll racial discipline that was presented in Denizens of Barsave Volume 2, or Denizens of Earthdawn Volume yep. 2 in First Edition. I knew it was Volume 2, but I, I can never remember offhand whether the First Edition book was Denizens of Earthdawn or Denizens of Barsave. Regardless, yes. it was Volume 2. It was the one that had the trolls yep. in it. And the Outcast Warrior was... The trolls have this whole concept, or the Highland trolls in particular, have this whole really strong honor thing going. And there are... Trolls who, in service to their honor, can become cast out from their moot. And so we have this discipline that is created to represent them. And it's basically the the talents are a mix of warrior and sky raider. That's basically what it is. And it's fine, such as it is, certainly tied very strongly to the concept of Highland troll culture as presented within the Denizens book and is still predominantly troll because the trolls are still so very strongly associated with honor, Highland troll in particular. But it is not exclusively a troll racial discipline anymore. What the fourth edition version did was start to lean into the idea of these trolls who sacrifice something, these individuals who sacrifice something in the name of honor, Mm -hmm. sacrifice their place within their moot, sacrifice something in some regard, and get something out of that 
they get some magic in return. And one of the things that is interesting about the outcast as a path is that for the most part, unlike all of the other paths that we have discussed, the outcast doesn't have much at all, if anything, Mm -hmm. in the way of a structure. There is no elder members that you go to in order to gain approval to join the path in the first place or to advance within the path. A lot of, if not everything, Mm -hmm. with regards to the path is internal and based on the troll's own or the individual's own dedication to the code of honor that they are magically sworn to, in a sense. And that by sacrificing what they did in the name of honor, they gain power in return. Yeah, they don't have... To your point, to help flesh this out a little bit, they don't have, a, as you said, a structure of elders, of people to learn talents from. They don't have uh, assignments like uh, the messenger does. They just, yeah, you are drafted into this the moment your, air quotes, horns are cut off. The moment you have that ritual of severance from whatever community you were in. And this is mostly steeped in trolls, so we're going to lean on this heavily here. Once you are stripped of your clan honor, or you have this severing of that tie to that group of people, then that ritual of severance automatically drafts you into being an outcast. And so there's your poof, rank one. But there's no blood oath to swear. There's no group pattern to officially, air quotes, join. But your rank one is you know pretty much started there. There is so much that is wrapped up in the idea of the various aspects of troll honor yeah. within the outcast. You've got the sort of three levels of honor that are described within the original essay and kind of carry on beyond there. You've got... And I'm going to get them I wrong have, now off the top of my I head. Have, but you've got, got the... Uh, you have... You have them. Go yes. ahead, please. You have the Kator, which is your personal honor, which is different from the one that they bring up new in the, in the essay. You have your... Well, that's what I'm going to go to. But yes. you, you talk about yeah. the three. And then you have your Katral. And I don't mean Kim Katral. I mean Katral. Your clan honor. And then your Katera, your racial honor of just being a troll. This is the racial honor. Right. I'm going to draw a pretty crappy analogy Go here. for it. I do it all the time. You've got Asimov's three laws of robotics. Yes. Okay. The first law is a robot cannot cause harm to any human or by inaction allow a human to come to yes. harm. Then there's the second law, which is a robot needs to obey the laws of a human or obey the orders of a mm-hmm. human, except where violates number one. those orders conflict with the first law and the third law ball. So like you've got this hierarchy and the original iRobot short stories that Asimov wrote, a lot of them were basically like mystery stories. Like a robot is acting weird. Mm -hmm. These laws set the guidelines for how robots behave. A robot is doing something unexpected. How is that behavior fitting in with the, within the the framework of the laws of Mm -hmm. robotics? And then within the extended writings of Asimov, one of the robots um, one of the mo- more advanced androids develops the zeroth law, 
And the zeroth law basically is a robot can harm a human if that harm actually is to the advantage of humanity as a whole. Gotcha. And it is only something that very advanced robots are capable of even conceiving. Okay. I bring that all up because the outcast path introduces a fourth concept of troll honor. And that is Katosh. Katosh is personal honor, but distinct from Kator. Yes. Kator is personal honor, but Katosh is personal honor that is above even Katral and Katera. Yes. It's the zeroth law of the outcast, mm-hmm. basically. My concept of honor, this code that I live by, is bigger than my clan honor or even my racial yes. honor. The way it was described in the essay, and I had to parse it into the words you're putting into as well, is the Kator is the personal honor, but that is the viewpoint of how others see you and if they respect you on that honor. The Katosh is the courage of your convictions, and it is very personal. It's how you see yourself being honorable. So at that point, as you said, the zeroth law, it's above how everybody else sees you. It's how you see yourself and how you administer yourself every single day in your actions and your behavior. And so that supersedes what other people think of you. Yes. So you can you can handle the, the slings and arrows of rumors coming at you all left and right. And you're like, I don't care. I know who I am. I move on about my day. Yeah. And the power, the oath that, or the equivalent of the group pattern oath that other paths swear is that personal sort of oath to yourself. Yeah as an outcast, swearing to uphold your own katosh, that there's a very almost sort of paladin-esque approach to it. Mm -hmm. You have a code that you live by. You have the power that you do, and you sort of advance that power in service of that oath. But it is a very personal and individual thing. And the only sort of commonality between outcasts is that they all have that personal honor that is so strong that it overrides everything else and provides that sort of magical oomph to yes. it. It's fascinating. It's amazing. It's 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 incredible. And the ritual of severance, just so everybody knows, based in the troll culture, uh, where they do sever your horns off and they bore a another hole right in the middle of that stump so that it can't grow back. That is a loss of clan honor, not personal honor. So that's where they make that distinction. So they take away a little bit of your racial honor because you're no longer looking like a troll from afar. You don't have horns anymore. But the interesting thing, I think, which I love the fourth edition update to the first edition. The first edition was you could make a character and start out being the outcast. And that's fine. I love that in TV shows and movies where this is the character that begins and then you move on from there. And then eventually maybe people get to find out what that affront was to honor and have that revealed. That's fine. You can, you can work that as a character going in. I like the fourth edition where it's this, you have a character you're working on and all of a sudden something happens and that's the affront. That's the insult to the honor. And then poof, now you're on this whole different trajectory. And so it's this rise and fall of your character because you were going along your merry way, raising your circles and so forth and building your legend. And now you're an outcast. And so when you tack this path on, 
is a different thing. So it's a rise and fall versus just a rise. Yeah, that is something that you can do. That is absolutely something that can develop naturally from a character's story in the course of a campaign. Mm-hmm. That is also something that you could have be in the character's past and just not have the mystical path opened mm-hmm. yet. The outcast is really interesting. On the one hand, it is so very wrapped up in this concept of honor, mm-hmm. but it's such a personal thing that it does not, one, does not necessarily require you to be a troll, although the vast majority of outcasts are just because of it as a as a cultural thing. I'm pretty sure that it's not racially locked. I mean, there are the nuots, there are other, there are non-troll name givers that take part in Highland troll culture and society. Yes. And they could very easily, because of that cultural foundation, be able to follow the outcast path. Mm-hmm. And I could conceive of any individual who has such a strong concept of a personal code that they sacrifice something in service of that code. And I think that's the sort of key part of the magic, is that sacrifice of something important in service of the code. Not just simply having the code, but that following that code has cost you something in the past, would allow you to maybe not necessarily be an outcast per se, but would basically be following that same kind of mystic tradition. Mm -hmm. So you could have something that is very personal to the character and not necessarily tied up strongly in defining a game the way that you would with a horror stalker or a liberator or some of the other paths. But at the same time, in a similar way that like the Brother of Stone is kind of an Obsidian thing or the Woodsman is kind of an elf thing, There is a very strong troll thing about the outcast, and you could very much have a game that deals a lot with the life of an outcast and the sort of consequences and difficulties that that could bring as a result of having to deal with trolls, (laughs) if you want to have that be part of it. But it is a very strong, like, role-playing, character-focused path. I agree. And it's just really, really... Really, really cool. It's great. The path knack for the outcast does not say it's troll only, but it does say the only requirement is you must complete the ritual of severance. So I think any severing of that character and the community that they inhabit, that around them, if you are severed from your family, if you are severed from your community, if you are severed from whatever, then you're looked at as, yeah, you're not part of us anymore. That is a severance. And you're not allowed back in. You're banished of some kind. That's your ritual. That qualifies. Right. That is absolutely, like, that's the cost. That's the sacrifice, in a way, that allows you to unlock the potential of the path. Yes. My my favorite quote out of this entire essay, beautifully done essay, by the way. I love the back and forth on the two characters. I love that the cabin is hidden and warded until somebody who is outcast, can open the door. So it's not just available to anyone. It's only those who are have been outcast and they just happen to find it in the woods. I love that as well. My favorite part of this is the new initiate who says, in some ways it would be better if the cowards killed me and buried my body in an unmarked grave. Truthfully, they could have done it if they wanted. No, they wanted to set an example to anyone who might challenge the rule again. 
That's what the ritual of severance truly represents. You're kept alive to warn others against disobedience. In our culture, questioning your elders is forbidden, no matter the reason. Yeah, there's two distinct points of view in the essay. And I think the essay does a really good job of presenting different points of view on this path because it is such a personalized path. We've got a new initiate, someone who is just recently severed Mm -hmm. and has a lot of that anger and everything kind of tied up around that new state of being. First stage of grief, actually. (laughs) Right. And then you've got the older, more experienced, wiser individual who has holds on to their katosh as a coal that they keep burning mm-hmm. and like that offers a peace and a comfort in a way that is not felt in the younger one. Part of the younger ones is they cast me out. I am not bound by their rules. I can therefore do whatever I want to hell with yeah. them. And the other who is, I was cast out, but uh, it was the right thing to do, and I am going to continue living by the precepts that I have laid out for myself. And I hold dear. And that I hold dear, that it's very, those, those very different points of view. Yeah. And then you've got sidebars from a couple of other characters yeah, there's there's sort of like the young one is kind of like a very anarchist, like, well, you weren't happy that I didn't follow your rules. Fine, I'm not going to follow any rules at all whatsoever. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. And then we've got someone who's like, you know, lying, cheating and stealing. Yeah, you can do those. But to do those is dishonorable. And I am not going to dishonor myself. That was my favorite sidebar in the entire thing. I, I by doing that, I want to print that up and put it on my mirror every day. It's awesome. That's my favorite sidebar. Akeda. Yeah. Beautiful sidebar. So this path, now that we've talked about the Kator and the Katral and the Katera, this path is all about a personal redemption of honor and the convictions that the character is going to stay true to from here on out, proving naysayers wrong, proving whoever severed them wrong as well, whether that group of people ever knows it or not. And that's kind of the key. This is your internal convictions. This is how you role-play that character, R-O-L-E, play that character from here on out. Um, And I love the idea. I think it's a beautifully done update to the fourth edition. And this is just ripe for somebody who is wanting a whole lot more depth of character and can bring that aspect to their table. Yeah, it's a unique path. It is another example of how the path structure can be adapted to very different ideas. It provides a a framework around which so many different concepts can be built. And it explores or offers the opportunity to explore something in a great amount of depth for those who are interested in it, and that is the concepts of honor, particularly as represented within Highland troll culture. Yeah. So it's it's just it's fascinating <laughs> and it's just really, 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 really cool and great. Yes. 
Do you want to do, you want to try for pop culture references now? Or do you want to do it after we get into the like mechanical details? I have a small list we can work off of. Okay, yeah, I was sure. Like, I had to talk about this with my wife going, give me some examples of people who were on a redemptive path in like movies or TV. I came up with mostly movies because I've been watching a lot of TV lately. Um, Jerry Maguire. He was outcast from his job. Okay. Had to do a little path of redemption. Eh, you know, we did an internet search. This is what it came up with. Um, Groundhog Day. A whole lot of redemption in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Groundhog Day, definitely. I, I don't see that Phil sacrifices anything. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of like growth and redemption and whatnot, totally. but- that's not one that would occur to me because I don't see that it was something where the character sacrificed something in service to something they held as a higher ideal. Fair. No, that's totally fair. Like I said, we're we're going to try and parse out our, our pop culture references. I mean, yeah. Well, like a pile, no pile, which is fine, which is fine. We're here to clarify for the listener. Groundhog Day is a, <laughs> is a phenomenal movie, but that doesn't fit for me because it doesn't contain what I consider to be that core essence of personal sacrifice or sacrifice in service of a personal ideal. I think Jerry Maguire actually had that. He wrote his manifesto. And I have not seen that movie. So I, I could not say he writes a manifesto that he should be, that they should be doing business differently. And everybody laughs at him a little bit. So he quits on purpose and says, this is how I'm going to run my business alone. And he takes one client with him because that's the only client that'll go with him because everyone else is loyal to the big business. So he does sacrifice that, but he maintains his ideals through the whole movie on a nice little redemptive arc to prove that, you know, he's right. And this is the way he's going to do it from here on out. So that's one possibility. It's a wonderful life came up on this list of our internet search, but I don't think there was a lot of, to your point. Yeah. I mean, again, great story. Yeah. But, that's not so let me toss out one that when i kind of thought about it for a few moments the one that came to mind fitting that archetype the closest would be malcolm reynolds from firefly i'm okay with that (laughs) i don't know if he's on your list hasn't made it there yet but i was working on it (laughs) there there is a character that has in a sense kind of sacrificed yes in pursuit of his personal ideal and is kind of cast out from society, but still holds very true to, despite his kind of gruff, I don't care for anything, Mm -hmm. pirate slash 'er ne'er-do-well, whatever, it's very clear as the TV series goes on and the movie Serenity that he has very strongly held ideals and like follows them very closely. Um, So that's one that I would definitely put in that orbit of the, the outcast archetype. What else you got on your list? I got, um, Schindler's list came up on this list. He was a, Er Schindler was a Jew and he was taking money from the Nazis. He was real life taking money from the Nazis. And then he had a change of heart to go, Oh, this is bad stuff. And so he had to, he had to get back to his personal ideals, no longer taking their money. Like I said, somebody, this is, I asked for a redemptive arc. The whole sacrifice of redemption was. Yeah. See, the, so thing. <laughs> I don't see the focus of the outcast being a redemptive arc. Fair. I don't think there's any redemption that's necessary for an outcast Fair. because I think the focus of the outcast is 
that they are willing to suffer the slings and arrows of society's derision yes. or of, of a society's derision mm -hmm. in service of their own personal ideals. Yeah. Redemptive arcs are great. And Oscar Schindler did something yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. But the redemption, I, for an outcast, I think that's secondary. It's not redemption. There is maybe the idea that they that they are living to prove that they were right, mm -hmm. but that's not something that even necessarily needs to be recognized by the society that cast them out. Yeah, it's, it's not for again, that's why I think to a certain extent, like why Mal from Firefly yeah. kind of fits right. that, is that he has a he has a code, he has a way of life that he is devoted mm -hmm. to. And the broader society, the alliance or whatever it's called, I forget now off the top of my head, the, the core the worlds, the alliance mm -hmm. has him as an outcast because of the way that he lives and the way that his ideals yeah. are. But he is not striving necessarily to have the to have the alliance recognize that his way of life is a better one or the right one or whatever. It's just, I'm going to live the way I live. And sometimes that's going to bring me into conflict with people that think I shouldn't be this mm -hmm. way, but I am going to continue to ultimately hold to those ideals. Yeah. As a commander, as a soldier, he still holds to that, like my men, like my crew, I am protecting yes. them. And that initially you've got Simon and River, they're going to bring a whole lot of trouble down mm -hmm. on me and mine, but eventually, oh, they are kind of suffering as well under the alliance in a different way that I was, but I recognize that. Yeah. And so they become part of my crew. And so I will continue to Yeah, it was one of those, I them. thought the alliance messed with my life just being over here. What they did to her is more invasive to the nth degree. I'm now on her side as well, because nobody should be messed with this, in this in this regard. So yeah, he does that. Right. And so it could be seen perhaps that the dedication to that code where it comes into conflict could lead an outcast to do something heroic that could be perhaps construed as redemption mm -hmm. in a yeah. way. I think that is an external point of view fair. that doesn't ultimately matter to the outcast. Perfectly fair. Because there's nothing to redeem. They were right. They have been right this it's, whole yeah, time. It's, it's their convictions. And whether that is recognized from outside is not relevant, is not ultimately relevant. Fair, yeah. no worries. I got two more for you. Uh, Professor Snape from the Harry Potter series. He was a Death Eater. Who boy. He was a Death Eater. And so his convictions were he didn't want to be a Death Eater anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's what his conviction well, was. Snape is, of the ones that you've mentioned, I would say <laughs> certainly the closest. Fair. I got a biggie at the end. Go ahead. There is... Definitely some aspects, particularly where, particularly where we have the point of view that we do of him in the novels as well as the films, in that we don't really get inside his head at mm -hmm. all, that he is kind of an outcast, both from the Death Eaters and whatnot, but also from our protagonists mm -hmm. and the broader sort of wizard society yeah of the quote unquote good guys within the, the Harry Potter mm -hmm. books, but that he is ultimately holding true to an ideal as twisted and kind of <laughs> crappy as it is. 
that ideal basically being the torch that he was carrying for Harry's mother all those years. Yeah, I can see the (laughs) argument there. Okay. Um, I had the idea for uh, Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road, but the biggie I want to hit you with is pop culture reference 47 Ronin. Uh, You're talking about the film with Keanu Reeves? Absolutely. Have not seen it. Oh, I'm sorry. It is a beautifully done film. Beautifully done. Underrated and got too much derision in the culture for reviews. But it's that whole thing. He's... Well... Yeah. Let's talk about... I mean, setting aside the film specifically... Yes. Let's talk about Samurai. Yes. Let's talk about Samurai and Ronin as a concept in a way. And how, in some regards... And forgive me now if I am actually getting actual stuff wrong. I'm talking like sort of pop culture totally osmosis thing here, okay? Not intending to be insensitive layperson's understanding that the idea that a, a samurai in service of their master mm-hmm. should die with or before their master and that there are sort of – two kinds of ronin that exist sort of pop culturally there is the one who is simply the masterless samurai who just kind of wanders around and is more almost like a han solo type mm-hmm. just getting by and not particularly well regarded kind of a scofflaw but also ultimately maybe has the kind of heart of gold yeah then you have the one that is a little bit more of the inspiration of say the mandalorian mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, not Bob, not Boba Fett. Nope. Boba Fett. Boba Fett is. He's got a name. So yeah, done. Well, Boba Fett is, is overhyped, quite frankly. Um, we'll see if the new show that was recently announced will do anything about that. The but book of Boba Fett. Yes. Anyway. Um, no, but Mando, the Mandalorian from the Disney show of the Star Wars man. series with Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. That is the other sort of Ronin style character who has a code and a behavior yes. and follows that perhaps to their own detriment. Ill end in some <laughs> ways, or their own detriment. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> but that is a very sort of samurai concept. Um lone wolf yes, of lone the wolf lone wolf and cub. and cub. Absolutely. Yeah, which is basically what the Mandalorian is kind of like <laughs> modeled after. What? Well, I mean, Star Wars has so much roots in Japanese cinema. Oh, it's Kira not even Kurosawa funny. films. You kidding me? Come on. Seven Samurai? Yeah. So there's that as a concept that can really work, even just kind of di- divorcing it somewhat from the potentially problematic Orientalist tropes yes. that often come along with samurai and ninjas and stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. But just that concept of someone who is dedicated to a personal code of honor despite what it may have cost them in the past or what it might cost them going forward. Yes. So in that case, I recommend 47 Ronin, an underappreciated film. They did a fantastic job. I will leave it at that. But those are mine. I did this, like I said, a redemptive arc circle, you know, because I couldn't figure out anything else to go along with. There we are. So anyway, we can get down to the brass tacks now of the actual, uh, not Misty Warrior, ha, the outcast themselves. So to Josh's point, the outcast is something you are drafted into, (laughs) not necessarily volunteering to join. So something happens to you to get you to be 
conscripted into this per se. I think it's interesting that the outcasts don't have a formal organization to police your membership and you don't take any oath. There is no blood oath to swear. There is no group pattern thing going on. Your Kator and your Katosh prevent you from teaching other outcasts any talents at all. So your outcast rank also provides you no bonuses when dealing with other outcasts. You require an additional success on any social test not related to causing fear towards a troll or a name giver who understands troll culture enough to know the significance of the ritual of severance and at least two additional successes towards a Highland troll if they're not trying to kill you on sight. One of those things. Anyway, disciplines... Yeah, there are some role-playing drawbacks <laughs> to the outcast. Yes. I imagine that it would be a little bit easier for a non-troll who is following the path to skirt those limitations. Yeah. For example, there's there's an entire clan of dwarves that are affiliated with one of the Highland Troll, one of the Crystal Raider Trolls, trolls the Rockbreakers, I think they're called. Fair. That are dwarves, but basically are also trolls in terms of cultural outlook but they don't have horns that would be ritually cut off mm -hmm. so there would not necessarily be any outward appearance if one of them were cast out yeah that would necessarily have that going forward but there might be something that they would take on in terms of a ritualistic appearance that might be an indication of such to other yeah, folks i'd say so absolutely so which disciplines are available to play uh, uh, to add the outcast path on really anybody because you know you're an outcast of some kind but the ones that are more tightly uh knit into honor are probably sky readers and warriors because that's where most of this developed from in the first place but really it doesn't necessarily matter it's being severed from a community not necessarily um you know you have 16 warrior brothers and you're separated from them. Not, that's not really it. So it's, you know, any, any discipline's possible. Unlike <laughs> other paths where you might be, where, where a character might be planning to join them or might have ideals or a personality that kind of leads them towards following a particular path, mm -hmm. you don't generally set out to become an outcast. <laughs> It's just something that, that that narratively within the setting kind of happens to you. Obviously, as a, as a player, you might want to explore that and so intentionally set up a character that would run into that situation. Yes. But your character does not set out <laughs> with that goal in mind. And so while Sky Raiders and Warriors are most common, any discipline, you know, that is in that kind of situation could conceivably end up yeah. outcast uh, as a result of what goes on. Totally. So any passions or questers that are preferable? Well, every outcast tends to have one of two things in common. Uh, they like this, you know, this all came about because of some kind of a conflict and they think they're in the right. So there's a little bit of valor there as well. So perhaps the Stonius is on your side or Minbruge with a sense of justice might be the right. Passion. Yeah. Thestonius because of the, of the challenge in a sense that is, part of being a troll or a part of being an outcast, the challenge that you are severed from your clan and thus need to find your own way in the world. Mm -hmm. In the Highland troll culture, the Crystal Raider, Raider culture in particular, Thistonius is highly revered just because of the simple fact of how difficult it is to survive 
and to eke out a living mm-hmm. on the Twilight Peaks, yeah. which is something that very strongly influenced troll culture and why the way it developed the way that it did, at least for that group. And so that is something that would be already perhaps near and dear to the heart of an outcast. And then, of course, Min Bruges, yes, because of the sense of justice, the sense that what they are doing is right, even in defiance of their cultural norms. Yeah, but really being a questor for either one of those or anybody else is really kind of rare because this path doesn't allow for much. Right. Becoming a questor of either of those is conceivable. The other one that would be interesting, obviously, as a player character, this is probably not particularly well suited, but um, I could see someone who had fallen as a result of becoming outcast, of undergoing the rite of severance, Mm -hmm. could potentially open up an opportunity for Ragok to sneak in. And I get a little bit of that from our younger contributor (laughs) to the essay. Yes. There is the possibility of the des- of bitterness or the desire for revenge to come about. I think that's something that ultimately could conflict with what the honorable ideals of the outcast could be, mm-hmm. but I could definitely be see it being something that could make for an interesting uh, antagonist or villain. Absolutely. Wonderful high circle NPC in that regard, without a doubt. Your, so as we mentioned before, your initiation isn't exactly something you look for or seek out. It kind of happens to you. But once that ritual of severance is done, you know, there you are. You got your rank one. You're initiated into the uh, group of outcasts, however few or many that there are. Yeah, it does mention there that if you undergo the rite of severance prior to achieving fifth circle. Yes then you can choose to become an outcast upon reaching fifth circle. Again, I talked about how it is not necessarily something that needs to happen as part of your character's growth within the campaign. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that you establish as a background piece, because you as a player want to follow that and undergo that story development, then that is certainly something that you could lay the groundwork for in terms of of a background. Totally. But I think it's really interesting to possibly explore it within the game. And that's something that you would want to bring up with the game master, mm-hmm. as this is something that I'm really interested in, in exploring. Part of a session zero or is the ongoing discussion about your game and what's going on with it. Yeah. This is something that I would really like to explore. Can you give me opportunities to do that um, and possibly put my character in a situation where this happens mm-hmm. so that I can explore this further. Totally. Because really the only requirement is you have to have thread weaving at rank of five to get the outcast path knack. So that's pretty much it. So that's why it's circle five. Anyway, your ordeals and advancement are never assigned to you. They just kind of relate to you regaining your honor in some way, shape, manner, and form. And that's... Or maintaining your honor. Yeah. And that's up to you and the game masters. You know, what do you think would be along those lines in doing so? Because again, we've mentioned before, this is only rank five. So there's only going to be five ranks you're going to get. So five severe, major, significant, whatever adjective you'd like to use, ordeals along your path here. Um, your karma ritual does not change much upon severing because it's, you know, you're rededicating yourself to your your discipline every day. And your half magic ability is, you know, you can use half magic to maintain and repair damage to your equipment 
patching clothes, repairing a fishing net, blah, 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 armor weapons, and use half magic to find other outcasts and know the history of other outcasts. So, you know, kind of typical what every path gets. And I think part of that is probably a follow on from the fact that most of these characters would be coming from a Highland troll background. And so they already would have the knowledge of those who came before them. Right. Of, of those who came before them and the, and the cautionary tales and so forth that would have been shared, but instead focusing on those and drawing strength from them and having that knowledge of, well, yes, so-and-so was an outcast, but X, Y, Z. Yeah. I've heard their legends since that day. So yeah, they survived and and thrived. Take your pick. Uh, So as you follow along this path after your ritual of severance and you get your rank bonuses, these do stack with your other discipline. You only get two of them though. At rank two, you get a plus one social defense and at rank four, you get another social defense bonus. So you end up with a total of two, but otherwise that's it. There's nothing. But that represents the sense of self and the strong internal moral code that allows the outcast to maintain their place as they gain experience. Yeah. But your talent options, as we stated before, do not get learned by someone above you in this path. These all come from internal strength and meditation and kind of an epiphany about, well, I need to learn this. Where does it come from? And here it is all of a sudden. So you learn this by yourself. No one else really teaches it to you. And rank one, you get, I think, 10 options as usual. So battle shout, danger sense, fire blood, iron constitution, steel thought, wilderness survival, wound balance, and then brand new one, the right of Kopesh. So this is the funky mechanical thing that we get for outcasts. Yeah. What the Rite of Kopesh allows the outcast to do, and this is sort of where the two blood magic damage that other paths end up with, this is where it manifests for the outcast. The talent itself is on page 204 of Mystic Paths, and then there's sort of a sidebar on 205 that describes what Kopesh is. Kopesh is how an outcast focuses their katosh towards their goal, and they are not supposed to use it frivolously mm-hmm. because doing so is sort of dishonorable, but it is used against serious insults to their katosh, mm-hmm. to their personal honor. Yes. The adept swears an oath, makes a ritual cut, takes two blood magic damage and gains a pool of honor points, which act like karma points. Mm-hmm. They can sort of spend those the same way that they would spend karma, and they refresh when the character's karma does doing the, the karma ritual. But they can only be used on tests against the target or related to the pursuit of this oath that they have sworn. Yeah. it's It's a... I am going to do this thing and I am going to pursue it, this slight to my honor, not even a slight, this insult Mm -hmm. to my honor. Yeah. I am going to do everything I can to maintain that. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite as flexible as, say, the devotion points that a questor gets, but it is kind of an additional role-playing and 
whatnot. It basically gives you some additional karma that can be used for particular tasks. Yeah, fair. So you get those at rank one, two, three, and four, along with your social defense bonus. At rank five, your last rank uh, period, you get either Lionheart or Temper Flesh. Both of which are great talents. One is a very strong sort of anti-fear, willpower boosting type thing. Temper Flesh is one that uh, allows you to be more physically enduring. Those are both talents that are available at higher circles to several different disciplines. Yeah. So I think it's, it's fine. It's fun and fine to have some mechanical benefits for going down this path, whether you wanted to or not. The player kind of wanted to, the character may not have. Um, there's that dichotomy. But I also think it's a, a ripe field for role-playing. This is the dramatic interpretation. This is the, the how much um, gravitas you want to bring to your character in and around your table with the other people, people that are playing their characters, you know, what kind of arc do you want this character to go down? The internal fortitude that they have to have and how they present themselves to the world and so forth. I think this is a wonderful field to mine for um, character interaction and what you and the game master can work out for your ordeals and so forth. Sure. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about a couple of knacks that are available. It's just going to get there. There are your standard kind of karma knacks that are based on being an outcast, um, allowing you to spend karma points on tests related to a declared Kopesh, karma to defend a sworn companion, uh, though they must have sworn an oath of blood peace with said companion, spending a point of karma made to resist fear, intimidation, or insults of any kind, karma point on any test made to heal damage. And they need to have spent a recovery test. And then there are a few knacks connected to Rite of Kopesh, you know, one of which increases the step of the character's honor point, the die that they get for spending an honor point, is expanding a little bit how of things that they can spend karma points on and so forth, or, or uh, honor points, all of which are all kind of in the, the higher rank of things. But again, we've sort of stressed here the outcast is much more role-playing focused, much yes. more sort of character and story focused. It is not like the tail dancer, which is one that you take if you want to play with a whole bunch of neat mechanical widgets. The yeah. outcast has a little bit of a new sort of mechanical thing to play with, mm -hmm. but unlike some of the other new talents and mechanical things that are available to other paths where part of the reason that you would want to take the path is to get access to that. Yeah. I don't feel that Rite of Kopesh is necessary. It's it's cool, but it doesn't feel like it is an obvious pickup because I don't think it's something that's necessarily required in order to get what you might want to get out of the outcast as a path. Yeah. This is more of a story-laden path. Yeah, as, I, as I've said many a time on the podcast, if you want to write a novel about your character, this is the path that will help you write that novel. Because this is, as you said, not just mechanical, but just to go, ooh, I get pluses here and I get pluses there and I can do this new talent. No, this is the story that maybe some of those talents will help you tell, but this is the story-driven path for your character, more so than most of them, most of the other paths at all. Any other knacks you want to, want to cover? No, there's a couple of, like, there's a Steel Thought Outcast knack, 
Uh, there's a battle shout knack that the outcasts get access to that allows them to get around the increasing difficulty number for battle shout if they're using it against the target of their kopesh. Gotcha. They get access to Burning Intimidation, which is a Fireblood talent that's also available to the Fire Eater and is a higher circle Sky Raider mm-hmm. knack. Yeah. You know, they get access to a couple of of other knacks, few related to Iron Constitution, um, which allows them to endure difficult situations, like they gain increased resistance to ex- exposure or longer before suffering from the effects of not eating or drinking you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. things that are sort of wilderness related. There's a Lionheart knack that gives them a bonus, uh, gives them an additional bonus against fear, intimidation and insults. So there's some there's there's some stuff that's available in there. Cool. I'm down with all of that. So, folks, if you have any questions for us about the path of the outcast, please contact us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your pop culture references for any outcast slash outcast warrior you can find that we didn't cover because... Another one just occurred to me. Yeah. And I am like amazed that we did not come up with it. Lieutenant Worf. Oh, Klingons. I was going to bring up Klingons. From Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Klingons. You can draw a very strong correlation between... The next gen, oh yeah, and and sort of subsequent like iterations of the Klingons, totally. But war, like Lieutenant Worf war. in particular, yes, is much more of the sort of outcast archetype within the structure of Klingon society. Yeah, in some regards, much like in some ways, Spock was more Vulcan than the Vulcans. Yep, because he sort of had to prove that he was. Mm-hmm. Worf is more Klingon than the Klingons in some way, because a lot of his understanding of Klingon culture is as an outsider from it. And that it's all sort of, it's all sort of studied and internalized and not growing up in that society in a way, but still being a part of it. Mm -hmm. No, I was going to (laughs) mention a lot of the great Worf stories from the next generation are all about that totally. conflict totally. of his of his conception of Klingon honor and how Klingon society actually reflects or does not yeah. those ideals. No, I was going to bring up Klingons earlier. In Including a period of time where Worf is, in fact, cast out of Klingon society. Of Klingon society. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. So those of you who were like madly hammering the keyboard for an email <laughs> saying You forgot Worf. What about Lieutenant Worf, you idiots? Yeah. We got there. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd love to hear more. If you have any more, throw them our way, because we'll talk about those as well. Cause the list I came up with, eh, hit or miss, which is fine. Expected that. More, more miss, miss than hit, more to misses. be honest. No, no worries. It's when an internet search gets you. Nothing wrong with that list, but that list was focusing on something that I don't think is actually relevant to the outcast at all. Totally fair. Absolutely fair. I have no problem with that whatsoever. So, folks, until next time, it is time for you to go bring Kator and Katosh to your legend. Good night, everybody. 